Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine and sponsored by Steer. Broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We actually have our resident energy expert and editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman, who will be joining us. But first, I want to talk to you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. Our cover, this issue, is ConocoPhillips, in which we talk a little bit about the amazing company, their great work that they did in handling Hurricane Harvey, and of course, the chairman and CEO, Ryan Lance as well. It's an issue that you definitely want to read. So I encourage you to go to shellmag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and read all about ConocoPhillips and Ryan Lance. And now it's time to bring on our resident energy expert and editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to the show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. Now this, I that I do have to agree with you because it definitely is the sun is out. Hopefully the sun is out where you are. Uh, beautiful, beautiful day here in Texas for sure. They're all beautiful days in Texas. Exactly. Hey, you know, it's a treat because honestly, you've you've been with us for three weeks straight uh, covering the show. And uh, so I just kind of wanted to, you know, just talk about that because maybe our uh, listeners might be wondering what's going on. But there's a lot of things happening and we are trying to help disseminate great information on oil and gas to help the community understand uh, what's really going on. And so it's been a real treat to have you for the past three shows to kind of help put things in order and in perspective for, for us and, of course, our listeners. Well, I'm always happy to do it. I, I just uh, love talking about this stuff. And as you say, there is an awful lot going on right now that uh, that needs to be discussed. So I'm, I'm always happy to be here. And we're going to hit out all of these crazy different uh, things that are happening uh, on the show today. But let's start with oil prices because oil prices have dropped once again. So let me just briefly talk about the Energy Information Administration also reported uh, uncertainty uh, in its short-term energy outlook, which was issued on Wednesday. And it listed the U.S. withdrawal from the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action and then uh, re-imposition of sanctions on Iran and then, of course, potential response from OPEC all led to these factors that pose a significant uncertainty. What does all this mean for us, the average Joe? (laughs) Well, at least in the near term, it means we have lower gasoline costs, so that's good. Uh, you know, I paid uh, what was it, uh, two forty nine the other day for regular, uh, which you know is pretty good compared to where it's been here recently. Um, it, yeah, so we the price of, of crude uh, dropped very significantly over the past two weeks, uh, down around sixty seven, sixty six dollars. Uh, I think at one point one day it was even below sixty six uh, for West Texas Intermediate. And that's that's a pretty significant drop from the 75 that it had gotten to. Um, frankly, I, I think it's all temporary, and um, you know it's gonna. We still have a situation overall in the market that really advocates for not not radically higher 
crude prices, but somewhat higher than this, more like that $75 we were seeing in early September. But yeah, so we, and, and of course, again, we, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we have this volatility in the stock market. And, and anytime you see the stock market going wildly up and down like it has been, the same thing's gonna be happening with the price of oil because that just creates uncertainty in the market and investors in crude oil, traders in crude oil, or like traders in any other commodity or in, in stocks, they don't like uncertainty. Uh, and so that's a big reason why you know, we have seen this drop, whereas the previous nine months, I mean, throughout the course of, of this year through August, uh, we had some of the lowest levels of volatility in the crude oil markets I've ever seen, frankly. I mean, just night and day compared to 2014 through 2017. And just this steadily slow rising crude oil price getting up into that $75 range, which is where, by the way, the OPEC oil ministers want it to be. They want Brent Brent around $80. They want uh, West, West Texas Intermediate to be around $75. And so, you know, they had gotten it to that level, but then all this uncertainty hit about one of the big factors that's going on right now uh, is, is uncertainty about what's happening with China's economy. There is uh, a growing, I think, conventional mindset among economists that economic growth in China is the, the rate of increase is slowing down. You know, it's no longer growing seven or 8%. It's growing more like four or 5% like our economy. And, and so when, you know, economic growth drives demand for crude oil. And at the first of this year, uh, the United Nations, the uh, International Energy Agency, you know, they, they do a projection for what global crude demand is going to be. Uh, the growth in crude demand will be in the coming year. And they said, well, okay, it's going to be about 1.2 million barrels a day, you know, year over year. So at the end of this year, they projected that crude demand would be 1.2 million barrels higher than what it was at the end of last year. And then we got to, to May and economic growth was really stronger than they had anticipated. If you remember, we had 4% growth here in the United States in the second quarter, which was very high compared to the last eight or 10 years. And uh, and so they revised that up to 1.4 million. Uh, so they decided, okay, economic growth is stronger, so we're going to say we're gonna have more demand for crude. Well, a couple of weeks ago, they said, okay, you know, maybe it's not that much stronger and it looks like China's slowing down. So we're going to take that projection to be back down to 1.2 million. And OPEC does their own projections. Uh, the U.S. Energy Information Administration does some projections like that. And so, you know, everybody's going up and down on those. And it's all because it's just based on what's, what is happening with economic growth, mainly in China, but also in India, Indonesia, the Pacific Rim countries, um, and here in the U.S. Right. So. And, and, you know, David, it's so important because I don't think that we um, who are outside of oil and gas, I mean, if you're inside oil and gas, you know, you kind of get this. But outside, I don't think a lot of people really understand that it isn't just affecting if we're fracking here, or we're doing hydraulic fracturing, we're doing, we're, we're exporting, we're importing. These are world commodities and, and what's going on around the globe affects prices here too. And, 
And then it's also regulation, too, because when you were talking right. about how we're paying a lower price here in Texas, well, uh, it's so strange you say that because my son actually, who lives in Las Vegas, sent me a snapshot of uh, the prices over there in California. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're paying at the pump, you know, yeah. and they're at 505 a gallon, which we would probably just, you know, blow a... Uh, a gasket if we were paying that kind of amount um, per gallon but there's things regulation that matter and so this is why I think that you know when we talk about uh, on our show how oil prices um, how good they are how they affect us as, as an everyday you know whether it's economically whether it's pertaining to your job these things matter and oil and what's happening in the market does matter and we need to understand it as well and you know the reality is in california they want their government has has intentionally developed those as you say regulations matter and and that is an intentional effort in the state of california to make gasoline more expensive to consumers in order to promote to promote the adoption of electric vehicles and and renewable fuels so uh so that's a conscious decision California's state government has made and uh, you know uh, our, our government here in Texas has made different decisions very interesting well you know we also have um, uh, Commissioner Ryan Sinton has gone into partnership with in the oil patch radio show and he produces every day these segments called the uh, in the oil patch energy minutes with Commissioner Ryan Sitton, which of course we know is one of the three Texas Railroad Commissioners, and um, you know every day uh, we produce these on our Facebook page, and so uh, anyone who has liked our Facebook post or goes in and does like our page can actually get the updated um, in energy minute from Commissioner Sitton every day. Yeah, and they run on on iHeart Radio too for people who listen to. KTRH in Houston and uh, other uh, stations around the state, the Energy Minutes run on iHeartRadio with those stations. Exactly. And and Midland, our station in Midland, you know, and, and, you know, why I think we were committed to doing this is because, again, if you get a snapshot of everything that's happening today, energy, and and Commissioner Sinton puts it in one nice little minute package for you to understand, it gives you a really quick uh, synopsis of what's happening in energy, what's the rate count. And so when we get back from break, I want to cover what today's energy minute was discussing, because I think it's important to bring it back to us talking about oil prices and this uncertain uh, market that we're in and, and how all of these things come together. But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. In the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your current industry update. This is Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your Energy Minute. On Wednesday, the EIA reported that U.S. crude oil stockpiles grew by more than 6 million barrels last week. While this number was smaller than the API's report of 10 million barrels of growth the day before, it did confirm that U.S. supplies outpaced demand for the fifth straight week. However, yesterday, China, the largest buyer of Iranian crude, indicated that it will be cutting off some Iranian imports. China previously signaled it may not comply with the new sanctions in light of trade tensions, so this latest move demonstrates that Iran may be hit harder than previously thought. WTI moved up 76 cents in the past two days, closing yesterday at $66.81 per barrel. This is Ryan Sitton, and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at Shale mag.com. 
Agreco has been powering the Permian Basin for over 10 years, supporting Permian producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. Agreco supports power systems as small as a single 200 kilowatt to as large as a 50 megawatt power plant. So when your utility power is delayed, call on Agreco to engineer a diesel, natural gas, or battery solution to fit your needs. We have immediate availability right here in the Permian Basin. Call 1-800-AGRECO or online agreco.com. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Today, we are joined with our resident energy expert, David Blackman. David, before the break, I was uh, discussing how Commissioner Ryan Sinton of the Texas Railroad Commission has, uh, has is doing a great thing for the community and his constituents in which he's creating energy minutes that we produce every day that is disseminated out into all of, uh, well, our podcast uh, online, on our social media platforms, and our our radio station partners are also uh, running these throughout uh, the day, even outside of our programming of in the oil patch radio show. And, um, you know, just briefly, the reason why he's doing this is to help all of us understand a little bit more about energy and how it, it affects us in our daily lives. And so we really appreciate him doing that. But this a week, one of the uh, uh, um, energy minutes that he uh, released was talking about rig count and um, natural gas and its price. So um, he was discussing that there were 13 rigs that were we lost in the U.S., so it actually dropped down to 1,044. But in Texas, we gained three rigs as well, which took us around 528. And then, of course, he discussed the permits of the Texas Railroad Commission releases, which was 219, which was 134 less than the previous week. So we have uh, ups and downs in both of these uh, on a weekly basis. The rig count, you know, I mean, it'll stay fairly stable. 13, a drop of 13 in one week uh, is fairly significant, though. That that means that, you know, we probably the, the overall rig count nationwide did go down a little bit. But. When you really look at that, it's just a little more than 1% of the total rig count. So it's not not that big a deal. Uh, some of that is seasonal. Um, and some of that, you know, is just kind of the normal uh, winding down of, of the end of the years for some of these companies, too. Uh, to me, the most impressive number there, though, is 528 rigs in Texas of 1,044 nationwide. It means over half the active drilling rigs in the whole country 30% of all the active drilling rigs on the face of the earth are drilling for oil and gas in Texas, just in the state of Texas, which is just really an amazing, it always boggles my mind that that is happening here in this state, um, which is very impressive. Uh, on the permit issue, uh, so, so but let's stick with the rig count for a minute. That's a very healthy rig count. And when you look at it year over year, 
it's about 150 more than we had working a year ago, right? So, so what we've seen over the last year, and that's how I kind of look at rig counts, is more or less a week-to-week basis, more a month-to-month, year-to-year basis. 1,044 is a little bit more than we had a month ago. It's 150 more than we had a year ago. And what that tells us is we have a growing oil and gas industry and a very healthy oil and gas industry in this country right now, which is which is a good thing for all of us, particularly in Texas and and surrounding states, you know, where the industry is such a big part of the economy. On the on the permits at the Railroad Commission, um, you know, so so that goes up and down too. And sometimes it means something, sometimes it doesn't. And when you look at it week over week, a drop of 131 uh, permits, you know, less than the previous week could just mean that, okay, there's a company, a big company or two, a very active company or two that just didn't get their paperwork done this week, right? And so we may see a big increase next week. But I think what we've seen week after week this year is there's a very, again, very active and healthy number of drilling permits being issued by the Railroad Commission because all these companies, the Permian Basin and to a lesser extent, the Eagle Ford Shell is where the oil is. And it, it, these are the, the hot areas in addition to the Bakken Shale up in North Dakota. These are two of the three real hot oil areas in the country. And so, so the, you know, the Railroad Commission has been very busy issuing permits this year. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about that, that drop because my suspicion is well, it's just a few companies that, you know, just didn't get some paperwork in and, and, Next week, we'll see an increase. And, you know, but, you know, with that rig count and half of it being here in Texas, it comes back to we want to see that number um, continue to rise for the fact that when you look and big picture, this is what's providing so many high paying jobs in Texas, uh, putting money in the uh, rainy day fund as well, um, and just making the overall state very financially healthy. So this is good. Um, let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about natural gas. Wait, before we go for that, let's, let's, uh, you, you mentioned the rainy day fund, and I know we've talked about it before, but you know, we'll have new listeners and I want to be sure everyone understands listening to this program that the state's rainy day fund is going to have $12 billion in it by the end of the year, and it is completely and totally funded by oil and gas severance taxes in this state, okay? We have an incredibly prosperous state government in a great budget situation because of the oil and gas industry. So everyone remember that, and I'll shut up about it. <laughs> no, you're, you're really saying the <laughs> truth. We have great leaders that understand how important oil and gas is to the state. And for people who don't quite understand how that $12 billion affects them, well, it really does because a percentage of that goes out to the entire community and areas like education, transportation, uh, roads. So we all benefit from the rainy day fund. And of course, if we should have a shortfall, that is where that money is used. So it really helps keep us recession proof proof as well. What is it that like we have the biggest savings account in the United States or something? Do do. you remember that? Yeah, absolutely. We have uh, the biggest... uh... The balance in our rainy day fund in in Texas here is bigger than any other states in the country. Uh, many states don't have a rainy day fund. I mean, it, it, that's just a simple fact. Uh, but but of the states that do have a rainy day fund, uh, the, the the balance in this Texas rainy day fund is really by far uh, the the healthiest in the country. And the other thing is, when the legislature meets this coming January, 
it's going to probably be looking at having a $5 billion surplus, revenue surplus to deal with when it goes to set the budget for the next two years uh, for the state. And that's when you think back to where we were just seven years ago when they convened in January of 2011, they had a $10 billion shortfall that they had to try to yeah. close. And they did that by and large with the rainy day fund. Okay. So as you said a minute ago, this is, this is part of what really helps make Texas more recession proof than other states because of that rainy day fund and because of all the severance taxes and other taxes that are being paid right now uh, by the oil and gas industry. Couldn't agree with you more, David. When we get back, I want to change gears just a little bit and talk about natural gas, but we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Oil-filled experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil-filled equipment needs. Specializing in hard-to-find oil-filled parts for your fleet maintenance needs, oil-filled experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil-filled experts, 210-471-1923. And we're back. Our guest today is David Blackman, our resident energy expert and editor of Shell Magazine. And David, before the break, we were talking about our our energy minutes that we produce for uh, in the Oil Patch Radio Show in partnership with Commissioner Ryan Sinton of the Texas Railroad Commission. In his energy minute, he discussed also that there's been we've seen a rise in natural gas prices. Um, And so I kind of want to get into the price increase on natural gas and how that's affecting and impacting us. Yeah. And so crude prices going down, natural gas prices going up, you know, they're, they're not in sync. Used to years ago, the natural gas price was actually tied to the oil price and it would rise as oil went up and go down as oil went down. But that was more than 20 years ago. And of course now there's completely separate markets and, uh, the natural gas price, uh, yeah, this week hovered in the low 320s, you know, between 320 and 325 in MCF, which, you know, is not great. Not, uh, I mean, it's not great for gas producers. It's really good for natural gas consumers and our electricity bills here in Texas and other states that use a lot of natural gas and power generation. But it has gone up. Uh, over the summer, the natural gas price was down around 260, 270 an MMBTU, and now it's 320, 325. So it's gone up more than 20% here over the last couple of months as we're getting ready to go into the winter season. And and there's, you know, it, it's an interesting way this market works for natural gas. In the winter, we use a lot more natural gas than we produce. And in the summer months, we produce a lot more natural gas than we use in this country. And then in the spring and fall is what's called the shoulder months when we are building storage for natural gas. And so um, natural gas storage right now is lower than it has been in many years. Um, and the levels of, 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 of natural gas in, in our various storage areas around the country is not nearly as high as what it's been over the last five years. And so there is a, not a big fear, but some concern that if you have an unusually cold winter this year, 
you could end up with some spot shortages of natural gas in certain parts of the country, particularly in New England, where um, they have a hard time getting pipelines built to take it to the New England states. And uh, so that's why the natural gas price has gone up. You know, it, it's, I mean, hadn't gone up a lot. Our electricity bills here in Texas are still going to be amazingly low compared to the rest of the country, but it has increased a little bit and, and made things a little better for the producers uh, who have been, you know, struggling with very low prices for, for their commodity for a long time. And if we do have a very cold winter and they do have shortages, I sure would not want to be them in looking at what their utility bills are going to be, for sure. Oh, my gosh. No, I was in Baton Rouge uh, yesterday giving a presentation, and that subject came up. You know, uh, in January, uh, December and January, uh, electricity bills in New England, uh, uh, ratepayers were paying about four times as much for their natural gas as we had to pay for it here in Texas over the winter. And they were even importing natural gas from Russia even though we, we are flooded with natural gas in this country because they can't get pipelines built from the Marcellus Shale through the state of New York to get natural gas to their state utilities in Massachusetts, Connecticut, and the other uh, New England states, their, their electricity bills went through the roof over the winter. And, and uh, you know, it's just still a problem up there. So uh, if they have another very cold winter, they're going to be paying really, really high electricity prices again. Yeah, well, you know, like uh, Barack Obama likes to say is... Uh, oh, elections matter. Elections yeah. have consequences. <laughs> they do. And, you know, uh, Andrew Cuomo, the governor up there, is the, the main problem with all of it. He got, just got reelected. So yeah. he's just about to get reelected. So. so they must like spending more money than they have to on utilities and other things, regulations. and t- So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about, um, you know, the, the point in, in uh, Commissioner Sinton's energy minutes was how all of these things matter and of course then looking at these global issues so the issue with Iran which we're getting ready to get on that topic well I, yeah, and, and yes global demand for oil is continuing to increase it's going to increase somewhere around 1.2 1.4 million barrels a day this year we are now in a hundred million barrel a day demand market globally for the first time, we're in global demand is over 100 million barrels a day. In the United States, we produce about 11 million barrels a day. So we produce, we're the biggest producer on earth. Uh, between the United States, Russia, and Saudi Arabia, we produce a little over 30% of the, the world's crude oil, and then the rest of it's produced in other parts other countries. Very, very interesting. When we get back, I want to get on the topic of more global. China, Saudi Arabia, and OPEC are coming up next in our next segment, so you don't want to go away. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Managers, bosses, supervisors, hey, flu season is here. Don't let the flu bug bite your employees. Banish sick days and keep your workforce strong, healthy, and productive with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. Call 866-334-2485. And we're back. 
Today, our guest is David Blackman, our resident energy expert and editor of Shell Magazine. David, we've talked a lot about the uncertainty in the market. We've talked a lot about our energy minutes that Commissioner Ryan Sinton is producing uh, with us. I'd like to change uh, back to the global market and how China uh, is, uh, you know, they're they're purchasing oil from Iran, or they had been. And the new sanctions from the United States go into effect on November 4th. And I'm curious uh, to see your opinion on what is going to happen with China since they're not purchasing anymore. They haven't in November. They're not going to in November. What's going to happen to China? What's going to happen to Iran? And um, will that in, will that also affect the United States? Yeah, and so China, you know, uh, has to uh, purchase, has to import most of its crude oil. They, they do have. It's China's an interesting country because it's been a communist country and 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 has been very slow to develop its own resources. You know, it does imp- import a high percentage of its its crude oil usage, um, but they have massive resources and they have been making agreements with other countries to come in and help them develop their own resources. So, over time, over the next thirty years, we can expect them to become a major producer of oil as well. But right now they have to buy it, and they have been buying oil from Iran. They have been buying from the United States. They had been importing three to four hundred thousand barrels a day from the U.S. before August first. But as a part of, of course, of the the trade conflicts going on with the United States and all the tariffs, the back and forth between President Trump and President Zhu uh, uh, over there in in China. Um, they decided on August 1st to stop importing from the United States. And, and as you mentioned, in November, they're going to have to be bringing or stop bringing crude oil in from Iran as well. So they're going to have to, you know, they, they're going to have to make deals with, with other countries to, to fill their needs. But, you know, China is very aggressive. They're very organized. Their government is extremely well organized and very aggressive in pursuing these things. So uh, no doubt they have a plan to fill their needs. Um, you know, Iran is a, a very interesting situation. They they had been producing and exporting almost three million barrels of oil a day early this year. They're down to about 1.8 million barrels a day. By the end of the year, they're probably going to be down to about 1.4 million barrels a day. And so they, you know, they've already lost over a million barrels a day in, in demand because. As other countries and and companies that had been purchasing oil from them realized that that the U.S. sanctions were going to come back into place, a lot of their agreements uh, and and export deals have already been canceled. These contracts do take time to unwind. You know, some contracts have thirty day out clauses, right? You know, they just the the, the purchaser can say, "I'm going to stop buying from you thirty days from now at any point in time." But but other contracts are term contracts, and so it takes takes time for some of them to unwind and and you know uh, other countries there are countries i suppose that will continue doing business with iran and some companies as well despite the sanctions so but the pressure is going to continue to rise on the iranian government as their economy collapses because iran has a a crude oil export based economy uh, that's half their economy so the net result of this politically is their government is going to come under great pressure, even greater pressure from the population there because the economy is collapsing. And so the other thing is part of these sanctions is limiting Iran's ability to access international financial markets. 
and in the U.S. and elsewhere, and and so that's going to limit their ability to borrow money and continue to provide social welfare state kind of funding uh, over time. And so it's just, uh, you know, over the coming year, the pressure is going to really become intense on that government. So, David, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about Saudi Arabia uh, and OPEC, uh, Russia, who's not a part of OPEC as well, their willingness to keep up production. So that way they obviously uh, can try to keep the oil market stable along with the United States. Um, is this going to work? Um, is, is this a, a, a good strategy? Um, what do you think with this uncertain market? Well, I, you know, I do think it will work as long as the Saudis are willing to do it, right? And, and, and there's even concern, at least among some of the OPEC countries, that they actually overfilled the market in September. And that's part of why the, the prices have softened up a bit. Uh, we have had some some pretty uh, strong inventory builds uh, in the United States and elsewhere over the last couple of weeks. So, so they're looking at actually cutting back from what they produced in September because they were already increasing their production to uh, fill in the the void being left by the Iranian oil coming off the market. And um, you know, Russia has also engaged in that to some extent. And and the reality is the Saudis have been producing somewhere between nine and 10 million barrels of oil a day. Uh, they believe they are capable of producing 12 to 13 million. And uh, if they engage in, a, if they ramp up their drilling program, they could you know, even increase their capability there. So they do have still excess production to spare um, in this regard to, you know, in order to keep the oil price stable. But as I said earlier, we do need to remember that they haven't come off what their target prices are right now. And, and their target price is substantially higher, about 7 or $8 a barrel higher for West Texas Intermediate than where we are today. So I, I still, as I've been saying, and they, I know I sound like a broken record, I, despite you know the Saudi and, and Russian willingness to, to it backfill all this lost production from Iran and elsewhere, uh, I do think we're going to continue to see this price go up between now and the end of the year until West Texas Intermediate reaches about 75 a barrel. And, um, you know, the reality is, and this is our reality, most people, I, I don't understand, some analysts don't seem to understand this, is this deal between Russia and Saudi Arabia, those countries are controlling, they are in control over a span of months, right? Not every day, but over a period of time, they really are controlling the price of crude oil on the global market. And they've done an amazingly disciplined job of it. And this past week, they're talking about making that agreement when they meet in December, uh, a long-term agreement. So is that that, is that that new uh, OPEC plus that they're talking right, about creating? OPEC plus. Yeah, so the, what they're talking about is really kind of formalizing Russia and OPEC as a single coalition. You know, today it's Russia and OPEC. And what they're talking about doing is having some more formal, ongoing arrangement, contractual arrangement. So, and that would be a big thing. Yeah. A big, big deal. I'm sure we'll be covering it here in the near future. David, when we get back, I want to talk about ExxonMobil and this lawsuit coming out of New York. But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Wall Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. 
Oil Field Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto, and we have David Blackman joining us today discussing all things oil-related. David, before the break, we were talking more on a global, worldly stage pertaining to oil. And uh, I want to stay uh, on that topic. However, I want to specifically zone in on a company that's being sued, which is, of course, ExxonMobil. They're being sued by the state of New York, for climate change disclosures. And this is, of course, they've been through this, you know, before. So what is going on and why do they keep trying to sue on climate change? Well, of course, ExxonMobil is a very big company and they can take care of themselves. But I have to tell you, this subject just infuriates me. And it's it's mainly because a company I worked for years ago went through a similar kind of abusive process. This is harassment pure and simple at this point. Four years ago, more than four years ago now, at the urging of a bunch of climate activists like Al Gore and Bill McKibben in the Sierra Club, the attorneys general, Democrat attorneys general, and I think 14 different states got together and sued ExxonMobil over a theory that they had known about climate change way back in the 70s that some scientists uh, that they employed had written some memo that got uncovered and, you know, indicating that he thought that, uh, you know, there is a case to be made for global warming, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so they filed a lawsuit. They spent the last four years making all sorts of of document requests from Exxon, costing the company tens of millions of dollars in legal fees by now, I'm sure. Uh, And they've produced millions and millions of documents in in these various court cases that have been brought. Uh, These attorneys general have been thrown out of two different courts now on summary judgments for, for any lack of merit to their case, previous cases. And the, the, how do they keep getting this into court? Then it, well, it's already you know these are the attorneys, state attorneys general, and they you know they have a lot of discretion and authority to conduct investigations. But the presiding judge in all of this uh, up in New York gave them until this week to bring a case, or there he was going to order an end to this investigation. And the state attorney general of New York, who replaced Eric Schneiderman, if you remember, Mr. Schneiderman, of course, was forced to resign earlier this year when it was revealed or alleged that he is a serial woman abuser. So this this lady who took his place decided to bring this new lawsuit, which is is a joke, quite frankly, and, and her it's a securities fraud lawsuit, basically, that claims uh, that ExxonMobil misled its investor by using a 
one proxy price for the cost of future pricing of carbon. In, in other words, uh, is speculating about future carbon taxes being inactive or cap and trade systems and what that would cost. They used one proxy price for investors and another proxy price for some of their internal reporting for certain entities in the company. Well, the problem with this is that the price they were reporting to the investors, first of all, was higher than the one they were reporting internally. So if they were, the, the, the state attorney general claims they're misleading investors uh, about the real cost of climate change. Well, if anything, to their investors, they were overstating it because they were using a higher proxy price than what they were using internally. So that the entire basis for lawsuit makes no sense. And the second thing is, this whole lawsuit has already been brought and been thrown out of court uh, by a group of Exxon former uh, employees who sued the company with the exact same rationale a few years ago and were also thrown out of court on summary judgment. So I'm sorry I got emotional about that, but it just makes me angry. <laughs> Okay, we know what's going to happen. It's just unfortunate that ExxonMobil is going through this. Let's go into our new segment, which is called The Trump Effect. So, David, let's talk um, about the Trump effect. Um, you know, Trump is doing so much to uh, really affect positively the oil and gas, uh, I guess because he supports it and believes it. He gets it. He understands it. And something new happened today that he actually issued a permit today for uh the state of Alaska. Tell me a little bit about the Trump effect. What's going on? Yeah. And so previously, uh, there has been drilling in the Beaufort Sea, which is above the north uh, shore of Alaska, way up in the Arctic Circle. The Beaufort Sea and the Chukchi Sea are up there. And there has been drilling in the state waters, which are within three miles of the coast up there. But there's never been any drilling or production facilities in federal waters, which are further out than three miles and much deeper. And this week, yeah, the, the Interior Department, uh, for the first time ever, issued a permit for an oil and gas production facility in the federal waters in the Beaufort Sea. So this is just another example. As you say, the Trump administration has had a very heavy focus on uh, strengthening the oil and gas industry here in the United States uh, for a lot of different reasons, national security being one of them. And this is just another uh, example of, of, of the kinds of things they're doing to, because there is a vast amount of oil underneath the Beaufort Sea that companies have never been able to explore for before. So uh, Hillcorp was the company that got this permit. They're a Houston-based company, one of the biggest, most active drillers in the United States. And, uh, you know, it's just a big deal. It's the first time uh, this kind of permit's ever been issued. Well, very interesting. And every week we're going to cover something new on our segment called The Trump Effect. Until next week, David, when we bring you back on to talk about the Trump effect and, of course, what's going on in oil and gas. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Great. I'll look forward to it. Thanks again, David, for being a guest on our show. And congratulations, because you are the topic of today's trivia question. Be the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shellmag.com and you will have a chance to win a $75 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the amazing Brazilian steakhouse. Today's trivia question is, what year 
anniversary is the Eagle Ford Shell Formation Celebrating. Be the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shellmag.com and you will have a chance to win a $75 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the amazing Brazilian steakhouse. I'd like to encourage our listeners, if you have a question, we are here to answer it. If you have a question, no matter how simple or how difficult you think it might be, please email us at radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at shellmag.com. And we will have our resident energy expert, David Blackman, answer it for you. But that is all the time we have for this show. Please be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch and follow us on Twitter at ShellMag. And also be sure to go to ShellMag.com and sign up for our free newsletter. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and sign up for our free newsletter. That is going to wrap up another great show. We'll see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.